All right, before we get to our next guest, Nathan Groob, I want to give a shout-out to a couple more of our sponsors. First, over at Par Bar. Energy and focus on the course are essential, whether you're playing you know, out on tour in your club championship or just your weekend four-ball with your buddies. Par Bar is the golfer's nutritional bar that can help you with both energy and focus. Eat some before going to the first tee and the rest of every three holes until it's finished, and you're going to play with more energy and focus to win. Par Bar was developed by a lifelong golfer and a food scientist to help all golfers play their best. Go online to parbargolf.com and order yours today. We're also proud to be partnering with Russ Holden and the folks over at Caddy for a Cure. One of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fanconi Anemia. You're going to get to walk side-by-side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider. And in addition to the amazing experience you're going to have, you're going to get a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, which includes Under Armour logoed apparel and an eyewear package, a tour-grade caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin cup ball marking gift, chef's cut real jerky, and professional photographs from your day. Go online to caddyforacure.com. That's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E, caddyforacure.com, to learn more. All right, now joining us here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Nathan Groove. Let me give you some background on Nathan. He graduated from Auburn University with a degree in mass communications, decided golf was going to be his thing, and he became a PGA teaching professional. He was an instructor at the Robert Trent, Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail Academy of Golf from 1996 to 1999. He then became the tournament director at the Southern Farm Bureau Classic and the executive director of the First Tee of Greater Birmingham. In March of 2005, he became the tournament director for the Travelers Championship, which is coming up next month, June 18th to 24th at TPC River Highlands at the uh, golf course there up in Cromwell, Connecticut. And if you're trying to remember, as Bob said at the beginning of the show, who won the tournament last year, let me refresh your memory. Jordan Spieth pitched in from the bunker in sudden death and did the chest bump with his caddy Michael Greller when he defeated Daniel Berger in a playoff, which may be the most fun ending to a golf tournament ever. And we're excited Nathan is joining us here tonight on Next on the Tee. Hey, Nathan, Chris and Bob here. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Nathan. Uh, Guys, thanks for having me on. So, Nathan, you've got a very interesting background. I read an interview where you said your greatest moment in golf was watching your wife, who was left-handed, hit a pure three-wood right-handed, and you knew right then and there that she could be a better golfer than you if she wanted to be. Talk about how that humbled you from then on. <laughs> oh, I haven't thought about that in a while. Yeah, so when I was uh, chasing my, my dreams of trying to play professionally, which which crashed and burned uh, miserably when they made about $200 over about two years, I, I had uh, a number of practice sessions where she would sit in the cart and uh, she would read her book and watch me and I would ask her, hey, babe, hey, you know, how does this look? How does this look? And, uh, you know, she'd give me feedback on my swing and then one day I said, you got to hit a ball. I said, come on out here. Aren't you curious at all? And she went, no, not really. And I said, just try for me. Just try. And she, she's left-handed and she grabbed my right-handed clubs and it was, uh, oh gosh, what was, it? I think it was a Wilson fat shaft three wood. Uh, I mean, for those of you who played years ago, remember that club and she picked it up and, and just popped it out there probably 180, 190 yards, uh, just a beautiful swing. And I looked at her and I went, 
don't you want to play? And she went, no, I'm good. And she handed me back the club, sat back down with her book, and she was just as happy as she could be. And I remember just looking at her dumbfounded going, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And I went back to working on whatever I was working on. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a funny story. I haven't thought about that in a while. I also read that your father had the greatest impact on your career because he encouraged you to give up baseball and focus on golf. Talk about the impact and influence your father's had on your career. Oh, gosh. He uh, that was probably one of the looking back now. So I'm a dad now and uh, looking back at, at what my my dad did to encourage me. That was probably one of the hardest things he ever did because he uh, baseball was my thing growing up. I mean, he used to come home from work and I would make him sit across the street and throw curveball after curveball and he would catch it in his knees or in his chest or in his face and he I remember him in his work clothes just he would never go in and change first, but he would just sit there and let me just fling ball after ball and he was my coach growing up and uh I just played a ton of baseball. I thought that was going to be it and I remember I was probably, I started playing, I guess, like real golf, I would say, later, probably 13, 14, really started to fall in love with it. And my parents would just, you know, drop me off at the golf course and I would practice and play non-baseball season. And I remember my sophomore year in high school, I didn't play golf my freshman year. My sophomore year, I um, I just made the varsity baseball team. So my dad was all excited and, you know, we were we were getting ready for it. And it uh, played at the, I went to a small school in San Diego and they played at the same time um, as the golf season, you couldn't play both. And I went to him, I said, dad, I said, I, I really think I want to give up baseball for golf. And he looked at me like I had three heads with the initial look on his face, but he could tell that I just, I loved golf and it was a passion that he could see. And he said, okay, he said, uh, I'll help you out and I'll support you. And, and then we were kind of off to the races, but he was, um, I think that was tough for him. I think it was really tough for him to see kind of his dreams of sitting in the stands with a hot dog and, you know, keeping all the stats in, the, in his book uh, to, to watch me try to play was crushed. But he got to sit in the stands and, and eat a hot dog and and watch me uh, shoot 84 and miss a cut. So it was <laughs> it was it was a trade off for him. <laughs> Nathan, I read that your favorite course in the world is Benita Municipal Golf Course because that's where you learned to play with your dad, your brother, and Woody Hayes. So you got to grow up playing golf. <laughs> With Ohio State's legendary coach Woody Hayes. Now that 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 might have been a uh, either I misspoke or something. So here's the story of Woody Hayes. My my dad went to Ohio State and uh, grew up. We grew up as uh, Buckeye fans on the West Coast, and I, I honestly didn't even know what a Buckeye was. I mean, I remember as a kid not liking Michigan, and I had no idea why. Uh, didn't understand why I had that prejudice towards those colors growing up as a kid. But my dad was a just a Buckeye through and through and he uh, was a huge Woody Hayes fan would, would quote him at different times and uh, he would quote him on the golf course too you know well, hey you know this and coach used to say this and things like that so um, I, I would say that he w- is, was a part of some rounds but I know I never got to I never had to actually play with Woody um, but my dad always used to tell the story about how when he, he grabbed, uh, grabbed the guys by the face mask and I said well there's no face mask in golf dad so you can't, you can't grab my face mask <laughs> but we would go play at uh, again kind I was young, high school. We would go play over at Benita. The, uh, the the sunset rate was the best. You could get about four holes of golf in uh, between sunset when they would stop charging you to play, and you could walk. You wouldn't get a cart. And I remember the starter. I mean, we, my dad and I used to wear him out because he'd be like, "Fine, go out again," you know. And you could squeeze in like three or four holes. 
And I, I'll never forget that. It was always the sunsets and the trees would, uh, there were eucalyptus trees out there. But I remember the smell and just the long shadows. And every time I'm on a golf course now, when it just, the sun starts to set, it just throws me back to childhood. I mean, cause I, I remember that's my dad and I walking, playing three, four holes, um, uh, just when he got home from work. So that was, uh, I look back on that with very, very fond memories. I have questions for Nathan. And Nathan, I'll get back to your dad in a minute because he's just such a cool guy. And uh, I got to know him pretty well over the years uh, as he's been volunteering there. But uh, personally, I want to just thank you for the for the hospitality. I've been going out there, as you know, Nathan, probably almost 20 years, uh, 13 since you've been there. And from the people in the media center, the volunteers, the way it's uh, – and you're the first to say this, and you told us on the TV side a couple of years ago – how uh, you just want to improve and find ways to improve. And every time I get the uh, questionnaire afterwards, uh, I don't have much to add because you guys do it as well as anyone, and and you've got the awards to prove it. So uh, thank you for that, first and foremost. And, again, your father, I've met him in the parking lot, Nathan, and he uh, drives the golf cart and gets me from the parking lot to the media center, and he's still uh, just such a, a vibrant guy and loves the game of golf, just loves being outdoors. He does. Dad's uh, he's great. It's funny because he um, he started volunteering years ago. This goes back to oh the Southern Farm. Now it's the uh, Sanderson Farms Championship in Jackson. Um, I was the tournament director there, and I remember it was the first tournament he came to. And he said, "Hey, I want to help out. You know, I want to do whatever you know, whatever I can." And, and so my he and my mom flew out. And so it was the night before, um, oh gosh, it was, I forget, Monday maybe of tournament week. And, uh, he goes, Hey, I want to do anything. You know, I'll do everything. And I said, All right, pops, here's the deal. I said, You gotta, I'm going to wake you up at 3.30 and we're going to go and, uh, you know, you can help me out. And he goes, Okay, I'm in. And I go in there and I wake him up and he looked up and he goes, I thought you were kidding. Are we really getting up at 3.30? I said, Yeah, we got to go. Come on. So he, he is a trooper. He gets up and it's dark and it's cold outside and we go to the, uh, to the cart barn. And, um, I mean, a cart barn at a PGA Tour event is a little bit like a NASCAR race mixed with like a swap meet mixed with a um, just like a traveling carnival roadshow because everybody tries to talk their way into getting a golf cart and everybody's got a good reason why and everybody wants a cart and everybody's got a good excuse and hey I know so and so and you will get fed lines in the cart barn just to be talked out of a golf cart and you have to be careful so I, I, I said dad I said I'm putting you in charge of the cart barn here's a clipboard only these people get carts here's a radio if you need any help clip here and here's a flashlight because it was by that time it was like 4:15. and he looked at me and he went you're serious aren't you and i said i'm dead serious i got to go up to the clubhouse and start working on some stuff but you're in charge of the car barn nobody except the people on this, the list get carts and i drove away and the look on his face was one of the best looks in the world where he was looking as i was driving away going i thought he was kidding i really thought my son was kidding and so he just developed a love for volunteering and, and the event business. I mean, he, his, uh, his job was in, uh, military recreation in San Diego. And so he, uh, he knows events and he knows how to put events on. And so, I mean, it's in his blood, but he thought I was kidding. And to this day, though, you know, that was, oh gosh, probably 15 years ago when he started with me. He tries to come up and volunteer every year and he, uh, he loves driving that media shuttle and, and, and having conversations on the way in. But he cut, he cut his, he cut his teeth at the cart barn in, uh, Jackson, Mississippi at 4 a.m. And, uh, he'll tell you that story. He, he, uh, he still thought I was kidding. 
just a great guy. And uh, Nathan, you and I talked a couple of years ago about at length about uh, how the Travelers, when it's done, uh, it's uh, for people like yourself, tournament directors. Uh, it's just you're already looking to the following year, maybe uh, just a few days after it. It's not like you guys just take a few months off and say, well, it's over and now we can celebrate. It's it's almost, it, well, it obviously is a year-round job, and uh, but uh, you must have to take some time off. I know you love the game of golf, Nathan. What do you do when the tournament finally does end? You know, that's that's a good question. I I sleep is the first thing. I mean, our, our team is, um, I mean, they're they're incredible. I mean, they... They will work. We, we probably go on about a 15-month, like each tournament we really start working on for about 15 months. So about three months before each tournament, we're already working on um, the next year because there's just there's a limit to what you can do. And there's just those last few months, you, you can't do certain things that you just have to start working on for the next year. So it really goes in about a 15-month cycle. Um, like about two months ago, we already, you know, launched our product for 2019 and what we're doing and, you know, kind of planning how things are going to be laid out, different new things that we're going to we're going to have for the fans, you know, the, the following year as we're kind of springboarding off this year, but it's, I mean, our team, I, I would put them against anybody and this is going on every week. I mean, every tournament team does this where they just work crazy hours and we probably start, oh gosh, I would say, you know, maybe six weeks out where we start working on the weekends and then it really just goes goes through and the last 30 days are crazy and like the last 3 weeks i mean you're you know sleeping very little um and just getting there you, there's just not enough hours in the day and uh my family is tremendous you know they kind of know how how it works in this industry i mean the pendulum swings very very far towards the event and everything is just consumed by it and it's it's funny, it's not just the time, it's just mentally. Like, I'll, I'll go home and I just, my wife kind of, you know, sees the, the blank stare in my eyes and just because you're just consumed by thinking about all the different things that are coming together. And they're very patient with me because post-tournament, I'm just really not in the best shape. Physically, you know, you've kind of lost weight and you look exhausted and just you're just kind of worn out because you put everything into it. I mean, we, as as event managers, we love these events. You see what it does to the community. You see the impact that it has, you see the pride on people's faces and you feel this massive sense of responsibility that, Hey, while this tournament is, is under our care, we better make it as good as we can possibly make it. And so you're running off of adrenaline and excitement and just community support and pride and player excitement. And then it's just, you're just done at the end of it. And uh, it takes, takes a few weeks to recover and, but uh everybody kind of knows you know knows what it what it takes and it's uh it's like a sports season you know it's like you finish your you know football it's like a 16 week season and you have to kind of recover but um yeah, i mean if you if you don't love it it will wear you out and uh i would say probably half our interns every year figure out that they don't want to be in the event business and and go in a different direction but it's um it's it's a pretty special uh field that that we get to be in and uh, that we love what we do so Nathan, as executive director of of a you know PGA Tour event, and particularly the Travelers Championship, you have the challenge of being the next tournament following the U.S. Open. And typically, top players skip the tournament following a major, particularly a U.S. Open, because it's such a grind for the players to play in a tournament like that. How do you entice guys like last year's champion Jordan Spieth to come and play? 
You know, this this goes back to, I mean, what, what Travelers, this goes back to probably 07 when, when Travelers took over as title sponsor. They, they came in with the attitude of, of okay, we're going to focus on, on what we are, not what we aren't. You know, we're going to focus on what we can change, what we can do, like, you know, what are the factors? Because the week after the Open was the only, the only week that was available at that time. And we had heard, you know, just, hey, the week after the Open is going to be tough. You'll never get top players to play there. They don't want to play the week after the Open. And Andy Bissett with Travelers and, and Jay Fishman at the time, the CEO, said, okay, let's figure out what that means. Like, why are people saying that? What is it? You know, is it the, is it the date? Is it the golf course? Is it the time of year? Like, like what, what really is it? Let's, let's not just take that comment. Let's really dive into it. So we started looking at why the players didn't want to play the week after the open. You know, I mean, the open is just really intense. It's, uh, you know, it's obviously the courses are set up like uh, no other course that they play all year. It's just a different type of test. And so we wanted to be, uh, I don't want to say the antithesis of that, but we wanted to, we were aware of what the, the players, their families, their caddies, their trainers, their, their agents, we were aware of what they were coming off of. So we said, okay, let's, let's address that. So from the get-go, we said, we're going to do a charter for the players, their families, everybody in their group. It's going to be a free charter from wherever the U.S. Open is. We're going to take we're going to take care of them from the time the last putt drops. We are going to send a crew and meet them in the clubhouse parking lot of wherever the Open's being played. And we're going to have a shuttle, and we work with the USGA on this, to have a shuttle to take them to the, you know, the, the private charter. Their families can load on. They can drive their courtesy cars right there. They're going to get on. They're going to fly here. They're going to land here. Their cars are going to be on the tarmac. We're going to have gifts for their kids. We're going to have rental cars for the caddies right there. Like, we're going to start the experience of us taking care of them right from the end of the U.S. Open. And then we just try to run that, run that experience out. You know, we really just try to take care of them while, while we're here. And, like I said, Travelers looks at it like these are our customers. I mean, they they treat the players and the whole tournament just like how they deal with their their product. I mean, they have customers, and that's how they view the players. So we try to look at the caddies as our customer. You know, how do we make our customer happy? What can we do to make their lives you know better and easier while they're with us? And what about the you know Bobby mentioned? What about the media? Okay, they're our customers. What do we do? And we just started chipping away at it, and little by little, year by year, it just is more and more details. And we actually had somebody about three years ago say to us, just because you know our field kept getting better, and you start seeing guys like. You know, Justin Thomas was coming and, and Bubba and Jason Day and you had Dustin Johnson coming and Ricky and Sergio and, you know, you had all the players coming. People were like, wow, how did you get so lucky to get the week after the U.S. Open? <laughs> I just started laughing going, oh, that that's great by how things have changed, you know, how, how things have changed. But we, we kind of have a, a saying internally where we don't feel like the, the date makes the tournament. The tournament makes the date. And that is something that we have tried to, to really take to heart to say, okay, what can we change? And then we're not going to, you know, we're not just going to let a date define us. We're going to, we're going to be the best that we can be. And we've been, you know, very fortunate that we have a title who, who allows us to, to do these things. And then you get, 
You know, I mean, whether the field's on the, the or whether the Open's on the West Coast or the East Coast, I mean, we've been very lucky. It just, you know, it hasn't mattered. You know, Webb Simpson wins the Open years ago, and he comes here right after. And Lucas Glover wins, and he comes here right after. And, you know, you get the Open winners coming here. Justin Rose won, and he comes here the week after. Just, I mean, we've built relationships with these guys, and uh, we try to make it um, a very, very enjoyable event. And then you have a golf course that, the players like. I mean, you can't you can't uh, you can't dismiss that. You know, I mean, the players they look at golf courses that they like that they can compete on, and uh, it's uh, we were very very fortunate with the team at TPC River Highlands to have a very very good golf course that sets up incredible for for a PGA Tour event. And Nathan, like I mentioned in your intro, the ending to last year's tournament with Spieth pitching in from the bunker and sun death may have been the most fun finish in golf history, watching he and Michael Greller do the chest bump and all of that. What was it like for you watching how that unfolded? It still gives me the chills. I mean, I've seen that a thousand times, and it, it runs up my spine uh, because it was I was standing to the, um, uh, to the left of the green right there, kind of where near Berger was, because he had missed the green that both of them had in the playoff. And I was standing there, and, and it just got – it was so silent – when Jordan was standing in the bunker and then he pops it out and as it was rolling up and he's jumping up to see what happened, the the roar was so loud. I, I went to school, you mentioned, I went to school at Auburn and I've been a part of some pretty fun college football games and, you know, game winning field goals and, you know, run backs a hundred yards to, to beat Alabama, things like that. And so I've been a part of some very, very loud sporting events. This was the loudest thing I've ever been a part of. And everybody was jumping and you could literally feel the earth moving. And I was looking around going, I, 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 I can't believe this actually happened. And then I immediately went to, oh my gosh, please don't rush the green. You know, I thought about <laughs> all these people just going crazy. And thank God, thank God Daniel still had to putt. Because if Berger would have putted first and then marked the ball and Jordan would have done that to end it in the playoff, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, because Jordan, after he does that and they celebrate and people are just going absolutely crazy all the way down the 18th, back down the 18th tee, uh, Jordan starts trying to calm people down because Berger still got a punt. And Berger almost made it. I mean, he was probably, I mean, it was 10, 12 inches away from going in. I mean, it wasn't, and he had a tough shot. But had it gone in reverse, I think it could have. It just would have been pandemonium, I mean, the goalposts would have come down. I think, you know, and we, they would have found him, and they would have been carrying him through the crowds. But it was uh, it was pretty special. Because what was what was crazy about it was you you had this moment in in sport where you have you had you had a grandfather jumping up and down, you know, in the gallery screaming and yelling all the way down to his son and then the grandson and like these three generations were all celebrating this amazing moment in sports. And then you had the athlete who performed it celebrating just as much as the fans were. So it was this moment where everybody got to share in it. I mean, because you see great moments sometimes where the athlete might be, you know, not celebrating as much as the fan or whatever, but it was like everybody was in it together and it was so special for Jordan and it was so special for our community. And Jordan talked about that media day. Um, he, uh, he spoke to us, uh, earlier this week and he said it was one of the most magical moments in, in his career. I mean, it was, uh, it was pretty special to be a part of. Bob, a couple more before we let Nathan go. 
Yeah, sure, Nathan. Just the uh, the current state of the course after another lovely New England winter. Do, do we see any changes in the course, Nathan? How are things going right now? You know what? That, that, like I mentioned earlier, the, the superintendent, Jeff Reich and, and David Crowder, they do an amazing job with this golf course. And, and the tour, since it's a, a TBC property, I mean, they come up, I want to say, three, four times a year throughout the year to check on the condition of the course to make sure that it's it's going to be ready by June. I mean, this is a living, breathing thing. So, like, they'll look at it, you know, in the in the late summer, and they'll come up in the fall, and they'll come and see it in the winter, and they're taking samples, and they're looking at due rates, and they're looking at all these different things, and how the root's coming in, and, you know, what got frost, what didn't, what froze where, and then how it came out of the spring. So, they're literally monitoring this thing year-round, and it is, I mean, they do it so that it's just in amazing, amazing shape you know, uh, around tournament time. So it's coming out great and it's in, it's in really good shape. But what's, what I love about our golf course is, you know, I, I was listening to, um, earlier on your show about technology and, and things like that. So this golf course, we, we played the week after the U S open last year. And I think the U S open course was almost a thousand yards longer than our course. And we played it closer to par than the U S open did. I think the U. I think Brooks somewhere around fifteen, sixteen, if I'm not mistaken, and Jordan right. uh, won it in a playoff at twelve. And so it, it doesn't. I mean, courses don't need to be just these massive, huge courses. I mean, if you set up a course right and you get the greens right and you, you know, you design a course that um that tests skilled players i mean it it doesn't have to be this crazy long golf course you can be tested at rory said it actually because rory came for the first time last year and he did an interview in like september after he played here and they were asking him you know about his favorite courses on tour or you know just around the world and he said you know one of the one of the courses i really enjoyed this year that i'd never played before uh was river highlands the travelers championship and he goes into detail describing why and i it was the greatest interview cuz i was thinking oh my gosh i'd never thought about our course that way but he was talking about certain sight lines off the tee and how he loved this and how he loved that and how he loved that so uh, that we are very very fortunate to have a uh, to have a course that the guys love and to be able to have it be built to where the theater that you know took place last year with Jordan uh, everybody got to see it and just the way it's designed like a stadium you know a good stadium course it was um it was it was a great stage for good theater and Nathan you've always finally you've always uh, always basically tried to get across to people that whether you like golf or not, you want the travelers to be a very pleasurable experience for all spectators. And maybe you can tell us a few of the things that maybe uh, would be attraction to your so-called, maybe not golf aficionados this coming year. Sure. So we definitely, to your point, we have tried to make this event really a celebration for the community. You know, how do we make it be something that everybody can be proud of? And so, we started an initiative to to really reach the non-golf fan and just started introducing a number of different things over the years. And so this started probably in, you know, 08, 09, but we started rolling out, you know, things like our concert series. So we have concerts at night and, you know, we bring in uh, country bands and we bring in, you know, uh, the big big bands that I would say, you know, not typically associated with, with golf fans. And then we started a, uh, we started a women's day. Um, this started as an idea 
um, to say, you know what, let's, there, there's a lot of women out there that might not know how much they, they could possibly enjoy coming out to a tour event. So let's do a women's day. And so we did a big breakfast and then, you know, invited women out afterwards to enjoy, you know, a Thursday round of golf and had like reserved bleacher seating. And, you know, they could do tours of the Golf Channel studio on Thursday and, you know, discounts in the merchandise shop and, you know, all the kind of things like that. But our Women's Day program, it goes from 8 to 12 on Thursdays and it has grown in popularity so much. It is probably the hardest ticket to get um, at the golf tournament. So we have 700 tickets. And it sold out last year in 14 minutes. And we've had wow. speakers from Tory Burch, Martha Stewart. Um, I mean, it has become, in our market, one of the biggest networking events and just come out and have a great day. And then, and then all the people who are attending that go out onto the golf course. And a lot of them, it's the first time they've been, they've been out there. But yeah, that is probably one of the hardest tickets to, to get at the tournament. And then we have a whole military appreciation platform where we, we found two partners who really wanted to invest in our military programs. And so we do free admission for active, retired uh, veterans. We do free food and beverage all week for them. And we have a huge military pavilion that, that keeps growing every year. And uh, so, I mean, there's, there's, we, we have baby showers that we do, you know, for military moms whose husbands are deployed. We do... Um, I, so many things outside of just the golf tournament. And then, uh, we introduced last year for the first time, we had a, a free venue for fans. So the general admission ticket holder could come out and actually go into a hospitality tent for the first time ever. And it was so popular. We built three more on property this year to where we want the general admission ticket holder to be able to come to our tournament and feel, you know, like they have a place, a hospitality venue they can go. And uh, it's, I mean, it's a very fun experience in our fan zone, the old driving range in the middle of the golf course, it's probably how 16, 17 acres in the middle of the golf course has become our huge fan zone. And so we have um, all kinds of interactive games for kids. We have face painting. Kids can make necklaces. They We built a nine-hole miniature golf course. There's bounce houses. There's a rock wall. This is all right between 1 and 18. So Jordan's birding 1 and 2 to take a two-shot lead on Boo Weekly last year, and kids are climbing rock walls and getting their faces painted, you know, 40 yards from him and eating ice cream sundaes. And, you know, it's it's – Kids, I mean, they think it's a carnival. My kids for years thought that I just, that I worked at the circus, you know, because they would come home with all these presents and their faces painted. And they're like, wait, we just saw dad at work. What does he actually do? So um, having our kids zone and our fan zone has been something that's grown in popularity over the years. So it's it's a big event for the community and for the state. And, um, and uh, the golf tournament is part of it. But at the end of the day, like after all of that, at the end of the day, we feel really, really good because, uh, I mean, our charities are the biggest winners. Last year, we raised uh, a little over $1.7 million for about 165 charities. And to be able to, to manage a, a professional sporting event and at the end of the day, being able to give all the proceeds back to your community is is a pretty special thing to be a part of. So, Nathan, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and get information about the tournament, whether it's online or it's over social media? Sure. Uh, TravelersChampionship.com is where we, we obviously house a lot of different things. Uh, 
Twitter at Travelers Champ. Um, Instagram, you can follow us, Travelers Champ. We try to make it as easy as possible. You can sign up. Um, you can volunteer. We, we, we actually we have a very, very good team that puts together a lot of fun social media, a lot of videos, a lot of interactive stuff that um, like Jason Day just committed today. And uh, there's some great videos. And if you go look uh, uh, look at our our Twitter feed, we we do a video. We try to do a video for almost all of the guys who have have committed. So we, we put some good content out there. It's a lot of fun, and uh, you can uh, you can follow along or just come join us here in uh, here in about a month. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come and be a part of the show, being generous with your time. We hope you'll come back and do it again sometime, share more of your stories and your insights with us because you've been fantastic. Well, listen, thanks for the time. Appreciate you guys reaching out. Thank you. Hope to see you soon, Nathan. Nathan, take care. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up sometime soon. Thank you very much, you guys. Keep doing the good work. Take care. Thank you. That is Jason Groove, and again, he is the executive director for the Travelers Championship. Bob, great suggestion for a guest. He's fantastic. Well, again, I have as much respect for him as I do for anybody in the business, Chris, because I, I see it up close of what he does, and, and the uh, fruits of his labor are just incredible. He's been doing it for 13 years now, and like he said, what's going on under the radar, Chris, that's the signature sporting event here in Connecticut, and they've raised uh, close to $15 million for charities during Nathan's reign, and, uh, again, uh, the Hole in the Wall Gang uh, charity will be the main winner this year. Uh, but they do so many good things, and it's a community thing more than anything. You know, again, we hear about Spieth, and we hear about a lot of different things, but it's uh, it's a very charitable undertaking, and that's probably why it gets so uh, well attended, attendance-wise, Chris, because it appeals to everyone. And, uh, again, uh, it's one of my best four years, four days of the year. And, uh, you know, Bob, as you talk about the charitable donations, and again, he said $1.7 million to 165 different charities in the area. So, you know, as as we do on the football side, right, our, our spotlight on the positive, this seems like something spotlight on the positive worthy for uh, all the great things that they're doing for the community there in Connecticut. Oh, it's huge, yeah, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that in the future. But, uh, yeah, First on the T is another chari- charity that's, done remarkably through the travelers uh uh efforts and and basically Chris the travelers again is it's it's a basically this is a charitable golf tournament yeah you could see the winner pocketing a million dollars but again the proceeds go to charity and uh that's what the travelers are all about as far as when they took it over uh, 11 years ago they saved the tournament believe it or not it, it wasn't looking good there and for, for what Nathan has done Chris since travelers have taken it over from a tournament that was close to just literally dying off uh, to being one of the more popular ones on tour. Now they have four of the top ten players in the world coming this year, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I don't know if we can top what happened last year, but guess what? It's still going to be fun. Yeah, no doubt. Good for you for being a part of it for the, the many years that you have. And, and again, thanks to uh, to Nathan for coming on the show. And uh, the, the story is at the top about his father and his wife. Fantastic stuff. So hopefully we get the privilege Great. of following up with Nathan a little bit later on this summer. All right, folks, it is time for Bob and I to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. We want to send out our sincere thanks again to Richard Zokel, Michael Verska, and Nathan Groove for joining us tonight. And, Bob, special thanks to you for not only being a part of the show tonight, coming over and doing it on the golf side, but uh, for your work to get Nathan as part of the show. Fantastic stuff out of you, as always, my friend. 
Oh, but any way I can help out, Chris, you know I'm here, and that was uh, to have the local co- connection and uh, to get it, get the word out there on Next on a T. It, it's a great show, and again, you and I will talk Thursday, correct? Yes, we will. We'll do it on Thursday night, Telgi, and I hope you'll come back and be a part of the golf show more often as well, my friend. Oh, sure. This coming Thursday, we we certainly look forward to you know joining. You know, have all of you joining us as we do uh, Thursday night tailgate every Thursday night from eight to ten p.m. Eastern time. You can stream Bob and I and our five guests uh, every week. There, it's uh, available right here on Blog Talk Radio, and that show, like this one, also available as free podcasts on iHeartRadio and over on Podbean. Every week on Thursday night tailgate, we're joined, like I say, by five NFL legends who come on, share their stories about their playing days, and share their insights and to what's going on around the NFL now. Plus, like I alluded to a moment ago, we highlight two players doing great things in their communities in our spotlight on the positive segment. So please check that out. You can find Thursday Night Tailgate online at thursdaynighttailgate.com. This show, nextonthetea.net. You can stream or download any of our archive episodes from free uh, by going on either site or going over on Podbean. Bob, thank you, my friend. Look forward to catching up with you again in a couple of days. And to uh, everybody listening in tonight, thank you so much. We know you got a lot of shows and podcasts to listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you are making Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and me members go to tell their stories join us the same time every tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you it's all about the great game of golf it's all about the great game of golf Motivation with Amazon Music. You're still in bed? Didn't you go running? Oh, I overslept. I'll go tomorrow. I'm getting in the shower. Alexa, set an alarm for 5 a.m. tomorrow to Hard Rock Music. Okay, I'm up. The right song exactly when you need it. Amazon Music, the simplest way to listen to the music you love. New customers start your 30-day free trial at AmazonMusic.com. Renews automatically cancel anytime. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.